change paces. We'll get back in the James next week, God willing. Uh, we'll be back in the James. We're still reading through it as a church, but this week we're going to be in Genesis. So if you have a Bible, if you have a device that has a Bible, go to Genesis. We're going to have it on the screen for you. Uh, but this is a... On, I'm just so excited to share this. I, I, some of our interns, or I know this, don't ruin it for the people next to you. Don't be like, I, this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. I will find you because I see you on Monday and Wednesday. So, uh, but I'm excited to read this. I've been, sometimes as a pastor, when you're leading and pastoring and, and watching and you hear different struggles and different life cycles, you can see the people in your church and realize that there's a, there's a constant theme that's happening in, in the body. And, and a lot of times we come to a church, we plant ourselves here to hear a word from God. And I know that I bring uh, the word uh, from God, but we have to realize that when God speaks to a pastor of the church you're attending, it's for you. A lot of times we look at the person next to you and say, ooh, that's for you, right? But it's for, it's for us. And so I just sensed in my heart that there's a lot of people going through a lot of different battles, a lot of different struggles. And so this week, I want you to relax. I want you to hear what God has to speak to you. And I also want to encourage you, too, um, that I, it's, been a it's been a different season for me. I've been doing a lot of teaching and taking moments. So if you're a first-time guest or you've been here for a little bit now, I just want to let you know, if you started coming during the James series, I really feel the spirit of preach on me today, which means that I might yell a lot. Now, I don't yell at you. I'm passionate about this word because I'm tired of seeing people live in bondage and pain. So I preach it as hard as I can just because I'm passionate about it. So just realize I'm not yelling at you. And somebody, why does he yell so much? Because I believe this works and I get excited about it just like when I watch a game and I yell at all my favorite basketball players. So Genesis 20, we're going to start in verse 8. I will explain everything that's happening after we read this. So bear with me. This is a crazy uh, story. When Isaac grew up, that was Abraham's uh, son, and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael. We'll talk about who Ishmael is in a second, which is another son of Abraham. And her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. And Abraham said, yes, dear. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early, I'm so excited for this, prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son as she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, and she burst into tears. So she was in agony. She was distraught. A lot of things are happening that I'll explain here soon. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. Lord, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you would speak how you spoke this to me. I believe this is a hope-filled word for people who are ready to receive it. I believe that you're going to open up eyes today to provision. You're going to open up eyes today to your water. You're going to open up eyes today to what they've been missing. And it's going to bless them tremendously, Lord, as we look in. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. Uh, I know I talk a lot about this, but Stranger Things 3 came out a couple weeks ago, and yes, I'm already done. I know some people are like, don't talk about that. Here's the truth of the matter. People came and asked me, said, Sean, I heard you say this about Stranger Things 3. Can I just start watching season 3? And I was like, oh, no. Like, like, extra Sean came out. I was like, what are you? You will be so lost. You'll be so confused. My wife once, uh, and she is not a Lord of the Rings fan. I know, pray for us. And, uh, and so she, I asked her why she wasn't a big Lord of the Rings fan, and she said, well, it's so long, and there's so many endings. It takes forever. And I'm like, how many have you seen? She goes, one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, did you watch The Return of the King first? Yes. She's like, there was like eight endings. I'm like, because there was two movies that went before the last one, you would have known what was happening. Now, what I want to do for you right now as we look at this, some of you have no idea what's happening in this story. So lean in for a second. Give me some of your time to build a foundation because I promise you it's going to be worth it because there's a lot happening right here. It's not just something we see point blank. First and foremost, we have to know this. We've talked about Abraham. Abraham was God's child. Abraham had the promise from God in the Old Testament to bring about Jesus. The lineage of Jesus would come through Abraham. Abraham couldn't have children. Sarah couldn't have children. We've talked about that. And they had children at 100 years old. And so God calls him out when the camp children and said, I'm going to bring so many descendants through you, but you have to step out in faith. Abraham stepped out in faith and believed God. It's an amazing time to encourage people that even when you have to leave some things behind and it's scary to step into the unknown, we do it because through that promise, freedom will come. And so Abraham does that. Abraham steps out. He's promised a son that he's like, how is this going to happen? We can't have kids. We're too old. It's not going to happen. It's one of those things. And as they're moving forward, how many people know that when God gives you a promise, the longer you hold on to that promise, it can get easy to not believe that promise. Abraham and Sarah come up with a plan. Actually, Sarah comes up with a plan, and Abraham is just whipped. So anyways, what happened was Sarah said, you know what? We can't have children. God promised this. Here is Hagar. Hagar was one of their slaves. At this time, they had servants and slaves who took care of the house and took care of the things and the cooking and everything like that and took care of Sarah. And she says, you know what? I can't have children. Sleep with Hagar. Have a child through Hagar. In this culture, it was fine. Don't try this today, all right? So <laughs> don't get a slave in the first point, but then don't. Yeah, anyway, so they, they, he says, take Hagar, go sleep with Hagar. And Abraham's like, okay, I guess if I have to suffer for the team, I'll do that. And so he runs over to Hagar. It's like, did you just say this? Like, so he changes his Facebook thing to it's complicated. He goes, talks <laughs> to Hagar. Hagar, they end up having a child. Hagar has a child named Ishmael. When Ishmael is when Ishmael is born, right? When Ishmael is born, Sarah now has contempt because it's Abraham's son and Hagar's son, but Sarah, it's not blood, so she feels very distraught about it. Even though it was her idea, she is now treating Hagar terribly. And she's treating her harshly. And Hagar's like, You this was your plan. So here comes Ishmael. It was not God's plan, and Ishmael's in this thing now, and now Hagar's getting treated wrong, and Ishmael's kind of like the black sheep of the family. Years later, finally, the promise comes through. Even though Abraham messed up, even though Abraham took things into his own hands, God still used him. Who is grateful for God's grace that when we try to take things in our own hands, God can still use those people? So Abraham is still the father of our faith, even though he wavered. He didn't said he didn't waver, but he made bad choices. And Isaac came through, through Sarah and through Abraham. Isaac came, the promise that God intended, not Ishmael, but Isaac. Now, Isaac's about to be weaned off, which means he's about to be done being uh, breastfed. He's going to be being able to eat solid food and things like that. And Sarah says, now that he's here, I don't want to see Hagar anymore, and I don't want to see Ishmael anymore. Our promise is coming through Isaac. 
And so at this moment, it's gotten so crazy that now they're about ready to push Hagar away from everything she knows and even pushing her son away. People see Ishmael making fun of Isaac, but you have to remember it's not right. But the reason was because sometimes Hagar had a contempt. And what happens in families is that if you hold some type of hurt and pain, your kids will hold that hurt and pain too. And so some of us are watching our kids actually play out the very things that we are angry about. And we're angry to people, and we treat people harshly, and our kids pick up from it. And so the big things, the opposition you have in your family, your kids will begin to listen and pick up too. So they're making fun of Isaac, and as he's making fun of it, Sarah says, I'm done with this, leave. So after Sarah's plan to have Ishmael, Ishmael is here. After all these things happen, Hagar is the one that has to be booted out, even though it was Sarah's plan. Hagar is the one that's going through the pain. Hagar is the one that's being separated, and she has to take her little boy and leave as well and take care of him in the middle of a desert, broken, lonely, painful, hurt. In this moment, that's where we take place. And we see here that she continues to move forward, and she gets to a point where she's out of water, she's out of whatever, and she sits down and she puts her boy to the side, and she leaves her boy because she can't hear him cry because she doesn't want to see him die. This is where Hagar is. This is where Ishmael is. And yet, God shows up. God shows up. I sense in my heart today, if I could speak into your situation, that there's a lot of people who are where Hagar's at. You're in tears, and you're so self-absorbed in your pain and your hurt, and maybe you feel like an outcast, and you feel like people have abandoned you, and you feel like the, your situation, your circumstances are so big, and you feel so lonely, and you feel so scared to the point where you're sitting and you're just crying because you don't want to see your, the boy die. You don't want to see that thing die. You feel like you're in a place of this hurt and agony. It said that she was to the point of tears, and I really sense in my heart there's a lot of people in our church right now in this place who are in the same place that Hagar was in. You're hurting, you're broken, you can't even see straight, the promises haven't come through, you're trying to figure out what about me, this hurts, I can't go through another thing in my life, how come this is happening to me and you feel lonely and you feel like no one else sees you? But the first thing I want to tell you that comes with the story is this, when it feels like no one sees you, God still sees you. Because Hagar left the camp and they kicked Hagar out of the place, but guess who shows up with her? God still sees us even when we feel abandoned. God still sees you even though you're broken and hurting right now. Even though you feel like it was your choices and your decisions, he said in scripture that he heard the boys cry. I want to tell you that your cries have reached heaven's ears. I'm going to tell you that your cries, God has heard every single cry you have spoken. God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And this is just going to be that message today where I'm just going to remind you in your self-pity and your hurt and your pain, whatever came about with that, even though no one else may see you in the place you're in right now, it doesn't matter as long as God sees you because he's the only one who can change your situation in the first place. And he sees where you are. He sees you. Could you please know today that God sees you when you're crying in your room? God sees you that when all the students at school don't see you, he sees you in the decisions you're making. God sees where you are. I love how the psalmist says it in Psalms 139. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. 
If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. He's saying it doesn't matter what dark place you're in, God still sees you. How many people are grateful that in, when you're in darkness, it's actually a time for you to grow, to produce? Did you know that photographs develop in the dark? So if you are in a dark place right now, it might be because God's developing a promise in you. And he can see it, but no one else can. And sometimes what's hard is we can't see it either. And we're sitting in the dark, and we're crying, and we're looking at the boy that wasn't even our choice and we're broken, wondering, is this thing going to work? Everything we've known, they've kicked us out. Our friends have abandoned us. I see, we talk a lot about Abraham and Sarah. They're, Abraham is in the hall of faith. And I'm not saying we should not talk good about Abraham. We should. Abraham is amazing to look to. But how many times do we kind of look at Ishmael like, ugh, that wasn't the promise. Like, even as today, we look at Ishmael like, oh, we hear Ishmael like, oh, that wasn't God's plan. And we even today treat Ishmael and Sarah and Hagar's story as like a contempt thing. We're still kind of like, ew, it was supposed to be Isaac. We love Isaac. Throw a party for Isaac. Yes, we should. But remember, God came to Abraham and said, hey, I got plans for Ishmael too. I love this about God, that even in our pain, even in our dark situations, are you in a dark place right now? Chances are God had to get you to a place where no one else could develop you, but he can. He had to get you to a place where he said it hurts and it's broken, but Hagar, listen, if I wanted to make a great descendant out of Ishmael, I had to separate you from those people. And maybe God has separated for you from some people so he can continue to bring your future together. Some of you are hurting right now, and God's saying, I see you. I see you. So if you're hurting... My encouragement is God sees you, even in the darkness. Another thing I would tell you today, too, is God still has promises for you. God has promises for you, too. See, it's easy to look at Isaac and think you are a failure. You see, Isaac, they're throwing parties for Isaac. Isaac was the promise. That's Abraham and Sarah's. He's a miracle. And we celebrate Isaac, and we should. It's God's faithfulness. But to Hagar and Ishmael, it kind of makes them feel like the black sheep. And it's really easy to start comparing to everybody else's promises and think that God doesn't have promises for us too. See, in this moment, Hagar realized that Isaac had a promise. Isaac was in a place that came from God, but Ishmael was man's attempt. And there's a whole, whole preaching on this when it comes to law and it comes to grace, that, that Isaac is a picture of grace because it came through God, but Ishmael is us trying to make it work, and it's our own selfish, righteous acts, and it turns in the pain, and it turns in the hurt. But what I love, the more I study about this story, the more I love about this is that when she was broken and when she was hurt, God shows up. He sees her, but he doesn't just stop there. We read in Scripture that he sees her and literally says, Hagar, why are you crying? This boy that you have right here, I just want to let you know, I'm going to make great descendants from him as well. He gives the same promise he gave to Isaac that he gave to Ishmael. We don't talk about this enough. Now people are like, well, Ishmael did this. Listen, it was all part of God's plan in this moment. But he looked at Ishmael and said, I'm going to give you the same promise I gave to Isaac. How many times do we try looking at other people's promises and think that God doesn't have good things for us too? Oh, it's easy in church, guys. 
Because we see people on the stage, we see people stepping in staff positions, we see people praying for blessing and it comes through. And we've been coming to church for 20 years and that person came for one week and all of a sudden they have all these blessings falling from heaven and we sit there like in our dark place, our miserable place, and we're crying and we're sad and we can't even celebrate people who are succeeding in life because we feel miserable and awful. Why? Because we see their promises and we see their blessing, but we don't believe that God still has promises for us. But God had a promise for Ishmael. God had a promise for Hagar, and God has a promise for you too. And you're just going to have to believe that God still has something in work in your life. You're just going to have to believe that in your hurt and your pain and while you're crying that God still sees you, and he's showing up into your situation right now, even if it's to this message, to remind you that he still has a promise for you too. And maybe he already spoke the promise to you, and you stopped believing it, and he wants to reignite that thing in your hearts. I don't know what that is. I'm just being obedient to let you know that Ishmael was man's attempt. He was born out of disobedience. Some of you have counted yourself out because of failure and disobedience. Ishmael was the product of failure. Ishmael was the product of disobedience. Ishmael was a product of man taking it in his own hands, but thank God that God can still put promises on failures. Oh, that's for someone today, because you thought that you failed, that God can now use that situation. He goes, oh, I'm the God who can put promises on your failures. I can redeem your failure. I can take what the enemy meant for harm, and I can use it for good. If you would just give me that mistake and give me that brokenness, watch me put a promise on it. Some of you need a promise on your failure right now. You're using your failure to guilt you. God's trying to use your failure to move you forward. And if you would use it for that, he can use it. Did you free? We are weak. We are. Ishmael was a failed attempt. It was a failure, but God still saw it as provision. God can use our failures as provision. That will mess with your theology. That messes with my theology. Because when my kids make a mistake, I'm like, game over. You get one mistake a day. Right? Go to your room. I love that we treat our kids like that, but I wonder how God's like that with us. Like, oh, they, why don't they just, like, you know, like when you have kids, and you're like, why don't they just listen? And God's like, mm-hmm. Go ahead and talk to your wife like that again, Sean. I love these guys right here. These guys are my favorite. Woo, <laughs> buddy. I just want to let you know, yes, God's grace is for you. Yes, it empowers you. Yes, we need to step away from sin. Yes, but I love our God so much that he will show you that even in man's failed attempt, he can put a promise on it. So if you're in a mess right now because of decisions you have made, if you receive your grace and get to God and give it to God and seek him with everything you have and say, God, thank you for your grace. I'm putting this situation in your hand. Watch him turn the pain into purpose. Watch him turn your mess into a message and watch him turn your scars into a story. He is that good. Don't give up now. It might just be the thing that you think disqualifies you. God's like, that's the very thing that qualifies you for me to use you in the next season of your life. Don't throw it away. Don't throw, Ishmael was a failed attempt at, God, at man's disobedience, and God still came and says, oh, there's a promise for you too. There's provision for you too. So if you are on your knees crying and broken and hurting in this moment right now, God sees you, and you are not disqualified. God can still use you, and he can put a promise on the mistake you made. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't have other things for you and he can't work, but he can work all things for the good of those who love him. 
I'm going to like really do something random real fast. But I remember growing up, and, and this, is, this could be wrong, so you could test me on this. And so this is Sean talking right now. Don't hold me to this. But when we were in college, there was always this idea of like, there's only one out there, right? You better marry the one. And in, in Tulsa, it was, we, oh, we go to Bible school, they call it ring before spring, right? Because you go in the fall, and you get, you get a ring on there before spring. It's just the goal. Everyone's like, I feel like, like, people would come up and be like, you know what? God really spoke to me that I need to marry you. And I was like, well, God needs to speak that to me first. <laughs> like, me and Liz would be dating, and someone would be like, I don't think she's the one for you. Like, I'm like, oh, back up, Jezebel. Like, right? Like, She is the one. She's still the one. She's always going to be the one. All right? Like, she had my babies, and she is the greatest mom in the world. So that's what I just, I, I won. I won. So, oh, you guys are sweet. I do that for her. Not for you. I'm not even talking to you right now. I'm just getting brownie points. Uh, but I thought about that because it's like, there's that one. There's that one. And my, my mind goes crazy. And I think this way. Okay, if there's just one person for me, then what happens if that one finds someone else? I'm in trouble. There goes my life. I'm going to marry some other person who's crazy. So it's going to happen. But I think the same thing happens when it comes to God, that yes, he has a plan for us and we have a purpose for us. But man, we put so much of our plans and our courses in our hands, forgetting that God can still work through it. Oh, well, I disqualified myself. I made a mistake. Thank God for his grace. Grace is part of the process. We can't be people of process if we don't accept grace. Grace is the proof that we need process. Because grace says you're going to mess up. Grace also says I'm going to empower you to learn from that and move forward. And Ishmael and Hagar, yes, they made a decision, and she got pulled into this decision. How many people are in places right now in your life that you got pulled into and you didn't even know it was wrong? And now maybe your family was living like that, and you just decided to do what your family was doing. And it has left you hurting and broken. You took advice from that friend that you thought knew marriage advice. And you realize it has now ended in divorce because you decided to take their advice instead of someone else's advice who knows God's word. And maybe you feel like you're in a place that came from someone else's decision. It doesn't matter where you got there, how you got there, or what happened. Just know that however you got there, God is big enough to still put a purpose on whatever you're in. So you need to have hope today that God's not done with you. Sean, you don't know my story. You may not know Ishmael, but Ishmael did it. God can use your fails as a provision. So if you're broken and hurt. Now, here's, here's the meat right here, because this is going to be a challenging part. So God has a promise for you, too. He sees where you are. But here's the last thing. Don't let your situation blind you from the provision. This is where I'm sensing God's leading me in my life and what he's been showing me, but for our church, too. Hagar was so distraught that she was crying, and she was tearing up, and she was miserable. This might be a really short message, first one ever. Uh, she was miserable, and she was crying, and she was so in so much pain and agony because of her situation. Now, disclaimer, I am not belittling whatever you're going through right now. And some people say, well, I'm not even going to share my situation because that person's going through cancer. Don't do that. They're going through that, but you can talk about your stuff too because it's real to you. It's okay to talk about what's big to you. We all have different capacities, but, but the Holy Spirit's working in those things. But here's, here's what I feel like in my heart. I'm not belittling what you're going through, but I'm going to try giving you some pointers on how you can find freedom in the middle of your situation. Because I often find out that the louder the enemy gets and the more distracting the situations get is because it's trying to hide your eyes from something God wants you to see.
So if you're going through a lot of distraction right now and the enemy's pummeling you in your mind, telling you you're a failure, you're worthless, and situations are building up and the car is breaking down and that's happening and there's mold in the house and the kids are getting sick. I'm talking about me right now. And all these things are happening. It can distract you from getting focused on what God has right in front of you. In this moment, we see in this story, Hagar was so distraught. Her son was about to die because she had no water, and she was so broken and crying. And God says, hey, I see you. Hey, I got a plan for you. And hey, open your eyes. There's a well right there. Did you see it, right? It said he, he opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and then she gave the boy a drink, and they traveled on. Some of you have gotten stuck in your situation because you're so self-absorbed, you're missing out on the provision that's right in front of your face. This is going to be a strong word right now because this is how you're going to learn how to survive when you feel like you're all, when you're broken and when you're hurting and there's no more water. This is how you're going to learn how to survive. When the enemy starts attacking and when your situations get big, it's okay to talk about them. It's okay to cry about them. It's okay to go through the grieving process. But if you go through the grieving process to where you miss out on the provision right in front of you, you'll stay where you are. And I sense in my heart, we have a lot of people in our church, including your pastor who's been there, this time I'm doing a little bit different than last year, is that we can allow our problems to get so loud that we miss out on the provision that's right in front of us. The miracle that's right in front of us. The well that's right in front of us. Literally, God's like, I see you, Hagar. Why are you crying? I'm still going to use Ishmael. This is for some people right now. I see you in your pain. Hey, you still got a promise. I promise you, I got a purpose for you, even in your mistakes. And open your eyes. There's water right there. There's relationships right there. Oh, I got any friends, and I go, no one talks to me, and no one does this. Self-absorbed. Me, 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 me. And God's like, there's 400 people in your church. How about stop focusing on you and you go talk to someone and say, hey, could you start going out with the coffee with me? Me, 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 me. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm just trying to say I've done, I'm just talking to myself right now. This is me. This is how God speaks to your pastor, right? Like, Sean, are you over there singing the me song? Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Right? That's why when we go to the gym, right? We go to the gym and we put our head down. And we look at the mirror at ourselves sometimes, and sometimes we don't even talk to the people in the gym. Why? Because we're focused on how we look. I feel so insecure. I feel so like this. And we literally miss opportunities to tell someone about Christ because we're so focused on me, 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 me. We laugh, and I'm making a joke about it, but some of you have been saying the me song for about five years now. And it's annoying. You know that kid that does not stop singing that song? You're like, shut up. You keep sharing the same thing on Facebook? Shut up! I guess what I'm trying to say is it begins to get annoying. God hears your cries, but don't let it get annoying. Don't keep replaying the song. Yes, God sees you. Yes, cry out to God. But my goodness, no one wants to hear someone continue to complain that no one cares about them, yet they don't want to step out of their insecurity and say to hide someone else. Me, 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 me. Here's the truth. In our pain, though, it gets real, real. Because we start thinking, poor me, my car, 
my house. And these are logical things. Some of you are going through some serious stuff. Please hear me. Hear me very strong. I am not saying that you're in the same boat as other people. What I am saying is that in the middle of it, God can still open your eyes to provision in your life right now. It's so hard in a culture of selfies and me and that and platforms, and I want that. I mean, I talk to so many young people who are seeing the church growing on Instagram. I'm like, what do you want to do? I want to be a preacher. Cool. Here's a broom. Start in the parking lot. Because the loudest sermon you'll preach is your actions out in the culture before you get to the platform. It's not about me. It's never been about me. Hagar was hurting and she was broken. And yes, listen, Sarah heard her years hurting her bad, talking bad to her, misusing her, abusing her, and then kicking her out. She's got a reason to be hurt. But just because we have a reason to be hurt doesn't mean we have to stay hurt. And some of us are still hurt. And it's breaking me up to find out how many people are missing the well right in front of their eyes. The forgiveness right in front of the eyes. The, the joy right in front of the eyes because we're so self-absorbed with ourselves, with our pain, with our hurts. In worship, it's what it looks like. We come into worship and we don't even focus on God. We focus on our problems. And in worship, it might just be the moment. And, and during the message, we're still so focused on our problems. And Sean, if you knew me, even during this message, you're trying to find excuses that he, well, he doesn't know me. And you're self-absorbed in me. We were never created to be a focus on each other, ourselves. We we're always created to focus on each other. Man, I, I think sometimes when God says it's not good for man to be alone, yes, he needed to help her, but I also believe it's so that he wouldn't become selfish. Because he gave someone to serve. I'm so glad Brian Gardner's back, by the way. Come on, brother. We need more Brian Gardner's in the house on the weekend. I missed you, man. You helping me. Wherever you are, there it is. All right. Someone needs to take over his job. Can you find four people before you go back to Pennsylvania and say, here's how to do it. Go through a training, a workshop. Just teach them. All right. Here's the, here's, here's the thing that don't miss. The well was there the whole time. There's some things right in front of your face that is there right now. It's right there. For your pastor, there was a lot of things that were happening. Still to this, they are still happening. There's some things I thought I heard God's voice. I didn't. There's some decisions I was going to make. It didn't go through. There's some things I built my hope up. It didn't happen. And it's all piling onto each other. And then, you know, and then the gas line goes out in your car, and you have to pay for that. And then you find there's mold in the house, and the girls are coughing. You realize maybe the girls are coughing because there's some mold in the house. Now we have to figure that out. And all of a sudden, things begin to pile up. And there's a lot of people in our church who are hurting and, and it breaks your pastor's heart because I have to put that on my shoulders, I feel like, but I have to learn how to give that to God. And so it just continues and continues. And so, sh sure enough, I hear so many pastors do this. They get, first off, if you ever hear me and you hear other pastors say, they start complaining about having the pastor, like, well, pray for your pastor. Do yes, please do it. But when they start throwing a pity party about it, it's about them. I did not get in this thing for your approval and for your encouragement. Do I love it? Absolutely. Keep it coming. You guys are doing great. <laughs> but it's really easy for pastors to have, live lonely lives, and I've seen so many pastors do this. Well, it's just lonely at the top. It's just da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I've been there. It is. And it's true. But it's so easy to go, me, 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 me. 
That ministry's growing. They're doing that. This is what's going on, and there's people in our church, amazing, old, young, in the middle, wherever you are, that God's saying, look it right in front of you. You're hoping you had that worship leader, and you're hoping you had that person on the squad team, and you're hoping you had someone like that in their church, and God's like, they're right in front of you in your church. You just won't develop them. Because you're whining and you're crying and it's about me, 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 me. I want that family. Me, 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 me. Or you can realize that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. And so maybe you can water your family and give your wife the word that she's looking for and serve her. My wife never does anything for me. You never get off the couch. Right? We, we, so she was focused everywhere else and me. And man, my encouragement would be, this is the moment today. That right here is the moment. I truly believe it. Right now is the moment where people are going to stop looking at themselves. So how do I get out of this pity party? You worship when you have an opportunity to worship. You open up God's word when you have an opportunity to open up God's word. You look to Jesus when you need to look to Jesus. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to have to grit your teeth sometimes. And you're going to go back and throw your pity party and let everyone know. And it's going to be so easy to want to do that because it feels so good to have people come next to you and to sit in your pain and your pity. If you have people who just want to keep reminding you of your pity party, I would encourage you just to let them go and find some people who will look at you and say, hey, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, and I know you're going through a lot, and I'm here to grieve with you. But there's got to be a moment after four years that you realize you got to let this thing go because you're missing out on the promises that God has for you. Let's get up and let's walk in freedom and victory that Jesus died for on the cross. Let's get up like he got out of the grave, and let's realize the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within me. That's what we're going to do. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> now you're just showing off, Brian. Worship team, come on up. 2 Kings 6 says this. There's another story I, I want to show you. This isn't the first time this happens. Uh, there's a story of this guy named Elijah. And we already sang this song. And in Elijah's story, don't bank out here. In Elijah's story, there, uh, he was a prophet. And he spoke for God. And there was someone who was helping serve him. And at this moment, they were going against God's word and what they were saying. And so an army actually formed around Elijah and his people. And so there was a vast army, a vicious army that began to surround him. And in this story, it says, in verse 2 Kings 6, 15, it says, When the servant of man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. So he looks at Elijah and says, Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Verse 16, Elisha says, I said Elijah, sorry. Elisha, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are theirs. Leave it right there. There are more on our side than there are theirs. What's happening in this? Guy wakes up. He realizes there's a battle waiting for him in the morning. How many people know that when you wake up tomorrow, there's already a battle you have to face? Sometimes the enemy does not waste time. It's like, boom, alarm goes off. Kids are screaming. Ah! Avery took my blah, blah. Sometimes we get a phone call. We get on Facebook. We see that story. The battle's already there. Right from the morning. Maybe it was this morning. They woke up. An army was surrounding them. And he says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He began to get so self-absorbed in his battle. We're done. We're in trouble. It, this doesn't just happen with things I've talked about, this also happens when we go through battles, when we go through things 
what happens if we begin to look inward? What are we going to do? Sometimes there's battles in our life that we ain't going to do anything. I know it's bad grammar, but it preaches good. We're not going to do anything. Because there's sometimes we have to know that God's going to do something. And Elisha reminds him, he says, hey, don't get so self-absorbed. I just want to remind you, we have more people on our side than we have theirs. Now look at what it says. Verse 17, then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I'm emotional about this because I have to remind myself that when things surround me, God's surrounding it. And sometimes when we sing the song, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I would tell you, yes, God surrounds you, but sometimes he's surrounding you and your enemy, which means the enemy is between you and God. So yes, you see your enemy right in front of you, but he says if you could just look over top of your enemy, if you could just look up where your help comes from, if you could just look up to God and realize that, yes, there's some things right in front of me, but if I could look up, it said that he opened his eyes and he saw it. All around the battle they were facing was God's army. I bet in that moment when that guy's eyes was open, he was like, oh, we good. Now I can rest. That's a word for someone today. We good. Now I can rest. See, when hell was stacked up against us, when death was stacked up against us, when sin was stacked up against us, and nothing we could do could get us right with God, Jesus says, I got this place surrounded. And he went to the cross, and he fought for us. And he took the wrath of God that we deserve, and he went into the grave, and he conquered death so we would never have to say we would be separated from God ever again. He fought for us. We don't fight for victory anymore. We fight from it. We've been set free. I pray this message would open your eyes right now. That was my prayer for you this morning. This would be the moment your eyes open, even though you're hurting and even though you're broken and you're so focused on yourself, there's someone in your life that you need to help right now. There's someone in your life that you need to stop looking at yourself and maybe go help someone else. There's someone in your life right now that you need to get together and say, I'm done throwing my pity party. God has something bigger for me and it's going to come by serving someone else. This is the moment that God's speaking to some people in this place. My prayer is the same as Elisha's. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes. Let them see that there's more for us than that are against us. And let them continue to walk in faith and not give up. With eyes closed, if you need that prayer and your eyes need to be open, as an act of surrender, not for your pastor, but for God, as an act of surrender, if you just lift up your hands and surrender, say, God, that's me. Man, I've been so focused on myself and my problems. I know we get there sometimes, but I need my eyes open to what you want to do. It's right in front of you. I believe it's right in front of you. Holy Spirit, right now, I believe right now in this place, there's different people across all different types of workforces and different lives. We got military men, we got police officers, we got prison guards, we got people in accounting, we got people in school systems, we got people who serve churches, we got people who are stay-at-home moms, we got people all across all spectrums. And we all have different battles and we all have different pains. But I pray right now that even though the pain hurts and even though we feel abandoned, that we are not abandoned by God. I pray this would be the moment that their eyes would be open to the promises that you have given them, that you are not done with them. I pray, Father God, as they take steps of obedience, that you would use them, Father God. That you would use them in this moment, Father. 
I pray that they would keep their eyes open to the provision that's right in front of them. Maybe it's an act of obedience. Maybe it's giving for the first time. Maybe it's being obedient and, and, and buying someone's lunch. Maybe it's saying yes to something that you've been trying to get them to say yes to. Maybe the job opportunity is already in their job. They need to quit complaining about the job. Maybe the provision is already where they are at. So I pray right now by your spirit that you would open up eyes. Right now by your spirit that you would reveal to people. Right now by your spirit that you would speak to people right now in Jesus' name. And I pray for everyone on the sound of my voice, Lord, that we don't just believe it, but, Lord, that we would walk it out, Father God, that our belief would spark action. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, who was blessed by that word this morning? I was. Let's stand up on our feet one more time. I, don't feel, like, I feel like what better way to 